celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Bring your pets around the radio. They love it. They laugh a lot at what we have to say. Yeah, dogs can laugh, apparently. We learned that a few weeks ago. And uh, today we're going to talk to Dr. Stanley Corinne, always a favorite here at Animal Radio. He's going to tell us how they laugh and how to make your animals laugh or make your dog in particular laugh. I want to do that. There's a whole list here and uh, we'll so go through it. A whole technique. Absolutely. So if you want to make your dog laugh, stick around. We'll tell you how or Dr. Corinne will tell you how. That's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, Dr. Gary Weitzman will be joining us. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, Taylor Swift is an animal lover, and she's added pet number three to her family. We'll find out all the details about Taylor Swift and her new animal, pet. Let's go to the phones first. Well, hello, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Orange County, California. So what's going on? I have the whole team here for you. Well, what's going on is uh, yesterday when I listened to the radio show, it seems to be a flea epidemic. If I said it right, going around, I mean, it's really, really bad. It is bad, yeah. And so my question is, uh, when I heard uh, the gentleman talk about that you can use Dawn to get rid of the fleas to a certain degree, mm-hmm. my question is, is can you use Dawn on your animal like every day? Uh, okay. With my dog, I have a Chihuahua and I have a Pomeranian. And a Pomeranian has some health issues, but I'm trying to get through that. And I give them the pill... Of course, then the fleas come back again. Mm-hmm. So that is my question about using Dawn. Okay, uh, great question. Yeah, so <laughs> Dawn, the reason Dawn works to help kill fleas, it's nothing magical about that ingredient. So, oh my God, I'm saying it. There's nothing magical about it. It's a shampoo and a detergent. So we're basically drowning the fleas. Right. So if I pick out a c- couple other non-toxic shampoos, they're going to have the same effect. What Dawn and other detergents do is basically just drown these fleas. So they're only um, killing the fleas that are on the pet at that moment, and they don't have any residual activity after you're done with the bath. So so the question is, um, how often can you use it? Well, Dawn, it's a degreaser. So excessive use or too frequent can really cause dryness of um, the skin and dullness of the hair coat. So um, Joey might be able to tell you a little more about what his recommendation on frequency is, but I really would say sparingly. It's not something that I would do daily that is too often to be bathing a pet. Um, Now, flea combing, you certainly can do every day, but there's no reason you would bathe your pet every day. Um, so I would say you're going to want to use other types of flea control in conjunction with that. And what's the, what's the oral product you're using? Like a quick kill, like a cap star or something like that? Well, what what my wife is using right now, and this is another question I was going to ask you is, is called natural care flea and tick spray. And she uses that on the dog every day. So my question is, will that turn out to be a, like a respiratory problem or something? Because, you know, I did yeah. Google and it said, you know, but it doesn't mention if you can use it every day. She does it to try to make the animals feel comfortable because I say I have a nine-year-old Pomeranian and a four-year-old Chihuahua. And if these things are bothering me, I wouldn't want to play with my little Chihuahua who used to play. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. play anymore. It's a downer. So these are the questions okay. that I'm just concerned about her using that spray on them every day to 
Yeah, and I probably would not recommend using that every day. And um, if it's what I think it is, um, a lot of the natural sprays in place of using um, an EPA-approved insecticide or pesticide, they're actually using different types of essential oils. Uh-huh. And essential oils, um, they're natural ingredients from plant extracts, but they basically are chemicals still. You know, they're hydrocarbons, uh-huh. and um, cats particularly can be very sensitive to essential oils unless they're diluted to an appropriate amount. So uh-huh. dogs have been also known to have toxicities from essential oil. So the problem is, you know, this is the kind of in that gray zone where it's not well regulated. So how much is too much? I can't tell you, but I can uh-huh. tell you if you're using it daily, that to me sounds excessive. Um, and I would um, be more judicious about using that less frequently on the pets. Now, in the environment might be a totally different thing, but directly on their hair coat would have me concerned at that frequency. Because some of the essential oils, yeah, you mentioned the respiratory component. There can be cause um, the respiratory sensitivities. Right. Some dogs actually can have allergies to the actual oils, kind of like the fragrance um, can actually cause them to be itchy, scratchy as well. And then I, in rare cases, um, when an animal I've seen get into large amounts of um, undiluted essential oils, I've seen um, liver disease. Um, so it can cause some, some problems. So um, I, I would say a little bit is good, but, um, you know, I, I would say we may need to find other avenues to try to help them. If they're that uncomfortable with the itching of the fleas, um, then I would, you know, see your veterinarian because there are some other products that we can use to help control the itch related to flea allergy dermatitis if it's if that's all that they got going on. And that might right. be something like a pill that we can use for short term while you kind of boost up your efforts on the flea control um, mm-hmm. or something more long term if you're in a real hot bed of fleas and we're expecting a, it's a long haul for you this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you also got to you got to remember your house too. Make sure you're taking care of your house. How long do those fleas last or live when just in the carpet? Isn't it kind of a long time? Yes, they can live for very uh, long, uh, long periods of time because they actually have a um, pupil stage, which can kind of just sit there for quite some time. Wow. Um, most commonly, the egg, when it's laid, um, it takes about three weeks to develop into a flea. But yeah, it, they can hang out and just wait for the right environment. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, gee, that's. <laughs> that is not I know it's I'm not encouraging, is it, Anthony? <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I made the mistake of my uh, with my Pomeranian, uh, you know, giving him a lion cut because he always felt good about that when it comes around the summertime. You know, mm-hmm. cutting his coat, you know, getting it cut down. But now it's to the fact where his hair doesn't grow back anymore. I mean, yes. at that age, he's almost 10 years old. And so I Google it. And, of course, I ruined his coat. So I really felt bad about that. But every time when the fleas are bothering him, when they're constantly biting him, mm-hmm. I see little red spots everywhere, like little blood spots where they're, you know, and I just yeah. feel really, really bad about it. So I, I just wanted to find out some other avenues about that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. definitely. We, you brought up some great points there as far as like with the shaving and all of that. While you, it may be good for the fleas and trying to control hot spots, it, it does sometimes cause a, a stunting of that hair regrowth. So, yes, yeah. uh, it definitely did that. I did it the first time. He was comfortable with it. When I did it the second time, and then his hair is not growing back. This is a while back. So I finally Google it and sure enough, it said you can wear yeah. the coat. And, that's yeah. and the other thing, I mean, kind of, this is changing subjects a bit, but when I have a pet that's hair is not regrowing well, and especially if we have uh, skin issues on top of that, I'd like to evaluate their thyroid level as well because uh, underactive thyroid will also cause a lack of hair regrowing after it's been shaved and can also make their skin a little bit less protective against some of the effects of allergies, itching, and they tend to be more dry. So that oh, might be something yeah. to, to raise with your vet as well. 
Oh, he has thyroid issues. We we got him on He thyroid. does. All right. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He has thyroid issues. I mean, he had kidney stones. So you know, he ain't hanging in there. He's almost ten years Poor old. Poor dear. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, well, okay, good luck well, with everything there, Anthony, and you're uh, taking yes. good care of those babies there. Yes, I will. Thank you. Thank you very much. Ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. And this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Now, an animal radio news brief. An Ohio woman, this is a stinky situation. She's trying to prove that skunks aren't the smelly little creatures that people may think they are. Deborah Cipriani has converted her home into the country's only rescue center for domestic skunks. She has 50 of them. They have free reign of her five bedroom house. It's dubbed Skunk Haven. And some of them even sleep in her bed. I know you're wondering is she single? Cipriani says skunks really are beautiful animals. She explains that she bought her first one in 2000 to help her cope with the death of her mother. Not sure what that connection is, but she also hosts an annual animal lovers event known as Skunk Fest every September. You don't have to shower before you go there. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at AnimalRadio.pet. Hi, it's Alan Cable. We got a call on Animal Radio about what to do if your dog jumps on you. That's a common problem. Let's talk about it. First of all, let's review. Your dog learns mostly everything from watching you. Your body language, your behavior. Let's say your dog does something wrong and you're upset about it. A lot of people think, oh, look at him. He knows what he did. He looks guilty. Unless you catch your dog doing something you don't like right then and there and make a correction or ignore him, he has no idea what you're upset about. He just looks guilty because you're upset and your body language is telling him that. He doesn't understand what you're saying, but he does recognize the tone of your voice is not being happy, and your body language and movements tells him the same thing, so he looks guilty. Again, unless you catch him red-handed, he just knows you're not happy, and that's why he looks like that. He doesn't actually know what he did wrong. Now, dogs jumping on people is a very common thing. Some people don't mind it, and some people don't like it, and that can cause problems and misunderstandings for a dog. It has to be either one way or the other. He can't jump on some people and not on others. They simply don't understand that. It's too complicated. So if you don't want your dog to jump on you, he can't jump on anybody and you're going to have to tell people, no, 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 I don't want him to jump on you. It's okay, I don't mind. No, 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 no. He's not allowed to jump on people. Some folks will come along and prod the dog to jump on them. Come on, boy, up, up, up. Well, you've got to put a stop to that and make sure he understands the rules. First thing to do is pay no attention to your dog for 15 minutes to a half hour when you come home and the same amount of time when you leave. Make it a non-event. This way your dog won't get excited when you come or go. When your dog does jump on you, immediately turn around, show him your back. Don't talk to him, don't look at him, don't pay any attention to him. And do it several times. Just don't give him any attention at all if he jumps on you. And wait for him to either mellow out and sit or walk away. Then tell him, good dog. Now, it's going to take time and patience, but your dog's going to learn that jumping up on people is just not okay. He's also going to learn that he gets attention from you when he's mellow and calm and not excited and anxious. So to review, if your dog's jumping on you, it just means he 
hasn't learned not to. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All-American Dish right now. 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 That's 800-380-4452 Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It's a happy pet show today. The theme, happy pets. We're going to actually teach you how to make your dog laugh. Stanley Corinne will be joining us in just a few minutes. He he has a list here. It's a, I'll hold it up so you can see it. It's a list of how to make your dog laugh. Cool. And uh, we'll all give it a try here in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, Lori, what are you working on for this hour? One of the weird things, I guess, maybe it's just people in Florida that experience this, but I never even thought about it. And something that a native Florida critter can do that we've never even really seen before, never even thought about it. But I'll explain to you what makes this so bizarre. Mm, must be one of those palmetto bugs or those cockroaches she's talking about. Yuck. <laughs> nah, much bigger, much, much They're pretty big. I've seen one driving a Datsun. Do they make it? They don't make Datsuns <laughs> yeah, anymore. No. no, no more, Hal. <laughs> hey, Paul. Hey, how's it going today? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Phoenix. Lovely Phoenix. Is it awesome. Beautiful Phoenix. Is, is it beautiful today? Uh, not really too much. It's more... Uh, <laughs> It looks like June gloom, if you're familiar with that. From the coast, yes, from L.A. (laughs) The country's doing some weird things. Anyway, I got the good doctor here, Dr. Debbie, to answer your vet medical questions. What's going on with your animals? Well, here's here's my question, is I have an undetermined aged shih tzu, and we know he's an old guy just because. Because he tells uh, it, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, you could definitely tell there's Arthur kicking in and all that kind of stuff. Well, a couple of his friends are schnauzers, and they play with, you know, cats and fetch and all that kind of stuff. I've been noticing his teeth falling out. Oh, gosh. Especially like his front ones, because I don't know about the schnauzer breed. I've never had one before, and so he'll get it, and he'll get a rag toy and just start shaking it like, you know, like other dogs do that he sees. And I've been noticing teeth falling out. Oh, my God. Get him to the vet, for goodness sakes. (laughs) We need to look inside this doggy's mouth. Has he had any kind of dental exam recently? He had, and they had said everything was cool, but that they told us that it was just a part of age. And I'm thinking, do I correlate it with the toys that he's not used to? And there's a whole bunch of things going on with this little guy. We, oh, we got him as a rescue. They actually, it was the day before they were going to put him down, and he had somehow gotten an eye injury, so he you know, can 
the old the old joke, you know, the dog lucky missing an eye and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he's actually missing an eye, <laughs> and okay. he's old and all this kind of stuff. So my oh. question to you is, after all that, can I are are dogs' teeth like human teeth? They get in pain, and can I give them like it? An aspirin, a baby aspirin, or take the pain away, like grab the cheese or something? Okay. Um, I'm going to stop with uh, the aspirin question first, and then I'm going to go back to the other part of that question. <laughs> um, aspirin, I do not give to animals. I really do not. Um, maybe decades ago, it was the only thing we had for pain in animals. And yeah. it, while, it, while it may help with the pain response, it can actually, and, and it's been proven, they, get, they gave aspirin to dogs that were perfectly healthy. And then they went in with a scope and looked at their stomach. And almost every animal that was given aspirin had some form of micro ulcers in their stomach. So there's so many safer things that we can give for pets that don't cause stomach ulceration and don't cause the problems with the kidneys that we can have with aspirin. So nix that right away. <laughs> and, and it definitely upsets me that a lot of people buy aspirin at pet pet stores over the counter and they're giving this to their pets as a way to treat you know arthritis or chronic pain because it really is jeopardizing your pet uh, when there's so many so many more safer alternatives um, that can be directly given, you know, through uh, assistance with your veterinarian. So that's part of the thing. Then I'll go back to the whole teeth thing. Now, if any dog has teeth falling out and they're not a puppy and, you know, they're not losing those baby teeth, teeth falling out means there's disease in the mouth. So um, it is certainly possible that something like pulling on a toy might kind of put extra pressure on some tenuous teeth and pull those out. But that means there's still disease in that mouth that led to that weakening of the tooth um, interface. So I would say if they said they didn't see dental problems, you know what we know? (laughs) We know that even if we look at perfectly healthy teeth, in many cases, there's actually disease under the gum line. So I would still say, pick up that phone. Hey, my dog lost some teeth, I want to get a dental exam and maybe get a cleaning if it's appropriate for your pet's health. Um, And then see about that because we don't want teeth falling out helter-skelter. He may need to, you know, if we intervene, we might be able to, you know, maybe clean the teeth. Maybe there's some diseased ones we can take out and save the teeth that are adjacent to that. Um, So that would be all what I would be kind of focusing on that mouth. And uh, unless his, you know, brother or sister dogs are popping him in the mouth with some kind of baseball and knocking those teeth out, um, then I'm going to say it's probably probably bad teeth in there and we need to get a look okay yeah and that's my dogs my dogs it's the tennis balls they throw at each other that uh have led to problems so (laughs) darn kids you tell them one thing and they do another especially (laughs) yours paul thank you for your call today dogs or cats horse or emu Here's another way service dogs are helping their human pals, working as good listeners to young readers. READ, which stands for Reading Education Assistant Dogs, was started in Nashville in 2002. It pairs up a young struggling reader with a team consisting of one human and one service dog. The new reader, usually between first and third grade, reads to a relaxing, sometimes napping service reading dog. Reading out loud can be very difficult for youngsters, especially ones for whom English is a second language. But these dogs put the kids at ease, making reading fun and melting the fear away with a non-judgmental wag of a tail. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people.
equal to Hannibal Radio. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Well, can you even imagine this? Maybe if you live in Florida, you can. But Florida is where a woman came home to find an alligator lurking around the outside of her home. She pulls up into the driveway and everybody, all of her neighbors are out there screaming at her, get in the house. She didn't really even know what was wrong. And I don't know how people think in moments like that to grab a video, but for some reason she did as the reptile was banging on the glass of her front door. So she pulls into the garage, hears her neighbors yelling. She gets inside. She goes in the house and thinks she's safe only to discover the alligator banging on the glass. And then the alligator moves to another area. And I didn't even know that alligators could do this. He was standing up on his hind legs, peering in a window at her. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that commonplace for Florida? We have lots of Florida listeners. If you're listening in Florida, call, call me. Tell me, is this common in Florida? It, it was a big gator. Um, it was, you know, they called somebody to come out and remove it, which they usually relocate them. They don't kill them. Uh, but it was estimated to be seven to eight feet. Holy moly. Well, uh, something also kind of scary. Animal Kingdom Pet Shop. Uh, they own a small chain of stores up in Central California. They're facing another lawsuit. This one from a woman who bought a golden doodle from them for $2,100. This was last July, so not even a year ago. She claims, the woman who bought the dog, that soon after she brought the dog home, it started having these major medical issues, including bilateral hip dysplasia. That is a huge one. Pets are usually scanned for that. The parents before breeding are usually scanned for that. But since then, the dog named Lola has undergone two surgeries, and experts say she's likely going to need several more surgeries and that her medical costs have already totaled more than $17,000 in only 10 months. The pet store, yeah, has reimbursed her for $2,900, so she is taking those people to court, asking for $10,000 in damages. Obviously, like most of us, she loves the dog. She has no plans on giving up the dog, but Animal Kingdom is also facing a lawsuit filed by the Animal Legal Defense Fund and another organization, which alleged the store is involved in a puppy laundering scheme, which is not bathing dogs, it's flipping dogs for money. Yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago, and in fact, the lady who's suing them. I also should point out that this store is no longer selling puppy mill dogs. In fact, they're not selling any dogs whatsoever. They're out of business now, or just out of the puppy selling Out of the puppy selling business, which is good. Well, yeah, maybe, you know, hopefully they just didn't know what they were getting into and realized all of the implications. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime. We've always got it for you at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Ah, we 
we are just moments away from talking to Dr. Stanley Corinne. He says you can make your dogs laugh. He's going to tell us how to make your dogs laugh. He's going to teach us? He's going to teach you. There's instructions. Okay. Oh, I like like the sound (laughs) effects and visuals, so I'm all for it. (laughs) Anything to make my dog laugh. And today we're talking about making our animals happy. Hopefully you have a happy pet. And on the phone with us is Dr. Gary Weitzman, the top dog over at the San Diego Humane Society, and also just an amazing veterinarian, and no stranger to animal radio either. Are you still getting over that cold there? I guess uh, it's just a little bit. <clears throat> Come back. <laughs> this is one of those hanger on colds where all, and Judy's like relapsing uh, here. Yep, I'm hanging in there. Dr. Dr. Weitzman, you, you're so lucky that you're on the other end of a phone and nowhere in, near the germs that are being spread in this studio now. I thought the very same thing, <laughs> so, but, but you have my sympathy. Well, hold on a second. I'm going to get your new book and put it there onto the table. It is huge. It is amazing. It's a Bible. Well, it's a complete guide, Hal. Of course it's going to be big. It's the complete guide to pet health, behavior, and happiness, which is what we're talking about today. And it must have taken you ages to write this book here, huh? It took a while, yeah. You should have seen all the vo- all the amount that actually didn't make it into the uh, book. I uh, think that'll be for volume two, but it's already hard to lift, as you said. Well, it's not only dogs and cats, but it includes rabbits and birds and so on. Yeah, yeah. And um, we got yeah a lot of reptiles, a lot of birds, um, and rabbits and pocket pets, because they're part of our families, too. Sure they are. Are you noticing that pocket pets are more existent than they were ever? Well, you know, we're hearing about them more, right? And I think that um, one thing as veterinarians, too, we're finally seeing them more than we used to. And it's still difficult for people. I mean, it, it, it's sometimes out of people's price range to bring their gerbils. Well, not in California. You can't have gerbils. But hamsters. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't have gerbils in California? No. Illegal in California. Isn't that crazy? And obviously because of our incredible, um, you know, harvesting um, and, and um, agriculture here in California, gerbils were thought of as public enemy numbers number one years ago it's not the case but um, I, that's still on the books right now well i know wow. ferrets ferrets are illegal i just had no idea gerbils were yeah I, I, so are hamsters hamsters are good you're good everywhere with hamsters <laughs> hamsters mice rats all, all of them are fine where does the government draw the line there I, you know you're absolutely right <laughs> i think we need to look at those laws again and even ferrets you know ferrets are legal in many states but not in california and uh where i came from before california washington dc they were illegal they're illegal in many states but they can be great pets and they're they're much easier to take care of well today we're talking about making our pets happy and i'm wondering if you can give us some ideas of how to to bond with your pet. Yeah, I think the first thing really is to recognize that you're bringing in an animal that you, that you will be their whole world. Whether let's just stick with dogs and cats just to make it simpler right now, but many times it's the only dog or cat in a, in, a, in a household, and you have to realize you've become their whole world. So there's a responsibility there. So bonding starts with giving them time and giving them attention. And I mean, we all know we're repaid um, in spades when we do that, but that's the first part. In putting down the the cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, you know, I've got a dog. She's a pit, and she's about 11 now, but the happiest thing in her life is to have her head on my lap while we watch television. I know she's not watching television, and I like watching television, so it's perfect. But that's bonding right there, just the contact, just being with them. You know, it's preaching to the choir here with you in the in the studio because animals are so important to all of us. But it's giving them that time and recognizing you just can't plug in a pet into your home and then not pay any attention to to that animal and those 
that think that cats are easier than dogs, and if you don't have time for a dog, you should get a cat. That's entirely wrong. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because cats need need as much attention, of course, as dogs, and especially since we know they're safest in the house. You literally become their entire world, and then that house becomes their entire world, and we want to make sure that it's a good world, not a not a prison for them. So, obviously, it's really just giving those animals that make up so much of our lives um, the time and the attention that they deserve, and and um, it's we get well repaid by doing it. So uh, my cat, who used to be very aloof, all of a sudden wants a lot of attention. Should I be worried about that? Interesting. Does something change? Yes, a lot of things changed. Uh, he, be- he became elderly and ill, and all his other housemate cats have passed away, and he's the last survivor. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yeah, so literally, you have become the only member on the spaceship of your home for that cat. So it's so funny, and we've heard this before many times. People that have multiple cats, or let's just say they have two, they lose one cat, the other cat becomes a completely different cat. And you wonder, what was the stress on that cat from his sibling or her sibling or her, you know, um, her friend, now that they're no longer in the home? But they can change remarkably in their personality once they're they're um, not affected by other cats in the home or, yeah, and aging, all of that too. But often it's by not having competition or stress from another animal in the, in the same environment. Vaccines are a big issue now. There's talk about whether or not animals can get autism or not. There's conflicting views. You ask one veterinarian a question about vaccines and you'll get a different answer from another veterinarian. What is the deal on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds just like the human situation with measles, right? Lots of information out there. We're wondering, uh, trying to sort through it all. Well, I think vaccines have evolved and um, and Dr. Debbie will agree, I think, as well. They've evolved from when we used to over-vaccinate and we did because we didn't know better. And that's what the science told us 20 years ago. To not have to give a vaccine every year when it's not necessary was the important part. But to not give a vaccine is equally bad. And we know that so much disease is controlled now in dogs and cats because of uh, the effectiveness of the vaccine protocols that we use. So I would say this is a conversation to always have with your own vet. But do question, be a partner, and question intelligently whether or not you have uh, an animal at risk for certain things before you vaccinate against it. So a cat that doesn't go outside maybe doesn't need um feline leukemia vaccines, doesn't need an FIV vaccine. You don't need to be worried that much. Maybe you can do titers instead to see what kind of um, what kind of support and immunity your, your animal has before you, you vaccinate. But we all, I think, hopefully most veterinarians agree, our pets do need to be vaccinated, but they probably only need to be vaccinated to the point that their immune systems require. And right now, we think that's about every three years for most of them. Okay, we got to take a quick break to pay some bills here. We are with Dr. Gary Weitzman. I have a question about CBDs, the latest rage. We'll find out more coming up next right here on Animal Radio. Stick around. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Hey, this is Josh DeMel on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. 
I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. Holy education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie zowie. They've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Joining us right now is Dr. Gary Weitzman. He's the top dog at San Diego Humane Society as well as an amazing veterinarian. Not a week goes by that we don't get a dozen calls about CBDs and CBDs for pets mm. and pitched by companies that are manufacturing CBDs. Now, I understand there's not a lot of research on it. What do you think about it? Yeah, you know, fortunately, California, here where I am, um, finally passed some legislation that we can actually talk to our clients about CBD. So we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I think the conversation, thank heaven, it's not prohibited by law, which it was until January of 2019, uh, at least here in California. But I think it's a, it's a good thing to actually talk to our uh, talk to people about it and, and try to compile some of this data. We don't know. We don't even know in people, you know, how much of this works or not. People at least can tell you what they're experiencing with it. So just to be clear with anybody listening, we, we are talking about CBD, the anti-inflammatory or the, and the non-psychogenic component of marijuana. So we're never talking about THC being okay for animals because it certainly is not. But CBD, we're just waiting to have the evidence come in. It seems as though probably it won't cause harm to animals to, to try it, but I think it's on a case-by-case basis and, and to try to collect as much data as possible. Right now, I think the best thing to do is be conservative and collect data, but um, we can't really make any um, recommendation for or against it yet. Okay. The book is amazing. I'm going to give out 10 copies right now. It's called The Complete Guide to Pet Health, Behavior, and Happiness. And the author, Dr. Gary Weitzman, joining us. If you want to pick up on this book, call me and uh, we'll hook you up to the 10. All 10 lines are ringing right now. So we're going to, if you're not lucky enough to be one of those callers, please head on over to your favorite bookstore or amazon.com and look for it. It's The Complete Guide to Pet Health, Behavior, and Happiness. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, you're so welcome. Really a pleasure to talk to you. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls. Hi, Bob. Welcome to Animal Radio. How are you doing? Very good. I have Dr. Debbie right here for you. Well, hi, Bob. Okay. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What kind of critter you got? Furry? Uh, feathered? Slithering? <laughs> uh, it's furry. It's a uh, three-year-old uh, golden retriever. Okay, wonderful. What's going on? Well, he was getting these, uh, I don't know if you know what they are, they're called, uh, they're like little spurs, uh, foxtails. Okay. He was getting them between his toes. So 
So my son took the trimmers and trimmed the hair between his toes. So he trimmed one of them too short, and it, you know, it uh, nicked it and got got a sore on there. Okay. And he he kept licking it, and it kept wasn't getting any better. So my wife's been soaking it and putting stuff on it, and it's gotten better. But then it got a, like a big blister on it. Okay. And my son popped the blister. I guess some clear, bloody clear liquid came out, but it hadn't come back. But we wonder if there's anything else that we can do for it, or if that's the best stuff we're doing, what we're doing. Yeah, with what you're describing here, Bob, I think there's two things that I that I might look at with him. Number one is that in many cases these foxtails they burrow in, and part of it is kind of above the surface, and the other part is like an iceberg. It's underneath the water, underneath the skin surface. So it's very possible he could still have some of that embedded in there, and that's just going to fester until we can get that surgically yanked out of there um and i'm always impressed by the ability of foxtail these little seed parts to just kind of working their way into the body and and really just kind of putting their arms up against the door jam and saying "Uh uh-uh i'm not going anywhere so um so really i'd have to encourage you to get that looked at to see if we need to do a little minor surgery on that to get that out um this the second thing that's really important when we get these kind of festering sores is soaking is great but he's probably going to need some antibiotics um once we break down that skin barrier and you've got an open sore um you know it's just standard of care for these kind of things to to get the baby on some antibiotics to help that heal from the inside out and i think with those two things then you'll have a chance of getting things to heal up but uh, yeah they can really be buggers and um you know even just other areas of the feet um so if you haven't i'm sure you've already looked around but uh common places this past week and this past month my gosh we've had them out of dogs eyeballs um wow. we've had them come out of vaginal areas of dogs uh, yesterday i took one out of a prepuce of a dog believe it or not it migrated through Horrible stuff. My, so um, my daughter's, do it. My daughter's dog swallowed one. Had to go to the vet and put her, yes. you know, the, put her under to get get it out. Absolutely, that will wow. migrate through the digestive tract yeah. and basically kind of cause abdominal peritonitis basically yeah. so yeah some bad stuff so i, I, I do a, a nose to tail search really from uh, inside the ears inside the oral cavity all the feet lift right. the tail look at all the private parts and those are really the places where these foxtails like to live and just kind of fester so um so I, i'd definitely get your little fella over to the vet and see if we need to go poking around in that uh, that sore a little bit all right well i appreciate it Thanks for your call today, Bob. Yes, antibiotics, very important with that. And boy, those foxtails, it seems like every year we battle those here at the studios. The cats go out in the cattery and they roll around and get those. Oh, yeah, we had one of our cats that actually, I guess, got it in its mouth and its cheek. The whole side of her face was swollen. Caused an abscess? Yeah, and we had to take her in and get it drained, and they actually found the foxtail embedded in there. I didn't realize that was a problem everyone had, but I guess you see a lot of that over at the clinic, don't you? Oh, yeah. You know, it's all over. It doesn't matter where you live in the country. These things are are pretty much everywhere. And I had a a great question. One of my own employees asked me, they said, do these things just like to live on the body fluids? And and I said, well, you know, it's a seed. It's kind of inert. So it's really not living. It's just kind of found a convenient transport mechanism. So that's about it. So they're not alive. (laughs) You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. 
It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio. Featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And we are celebrating the pets worldwide today. You know, we're heard in Guam. Did you know we're heard in Guam, Judy? Are we really? All the way to New York. Wow. And everywhere in between, everywhere there's an animal, especially a dog, we're going to teach you today how to make your dog laugh. Man, okay, you're saying, what is he talking about? I can't even tell a joke. I know. Apparently, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to tell your animals a joke to make them laugh. And there are certain breeds that are more likely to laugh than others. This hmm. is, uh, well, according to science and Dr. Stanley Corrine, he'll be joining us this hour right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on, Lori? One uh, country thinking of making huge animal changes uh, as laws relate to taking care of animals there. We'll let you know how specific they're going to get. I kind of think it's like Big Brother Big Pets. So, <laughs> Okay. I cannot wait for that. Let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Well, hello there, Kathy. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Good. Are you on a speakerphone? No, I'm, I'm wearing my headset. Oh, okay. Are you in the bathroom? <laughs> no, is it echoing? I'm in, I'm in a small room. Now I'm... Oh, okay, now you sound great. So where are you okay. calling from today? I'm calling from San Luis Obispo, California. Just down the street from us. So what's going on? Well, what's happening is my mom just adopted, uh, my mom, who's quite elderly, mm-hmm. just adopted, and I helped her find um, a new cat, or a, a, a cat for her to have as a companion. Okay. And the cat is eight years old. And her her elderly lady passed away, and in the last couple of years, and this happened two years ago, and since then she just kind of got bounced around, and well, she got abandoned at first. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, excuse me. I'm so sorry. No I'll come in and explain. Um, anyway, what happened? Um, her elderly lady died, and then she just got dumped outside by the family. And then she fortunately got taken in by the Cal Poly Cat Program. Okay. And, okay. yes, she's just, she's been through a couple of homes, just really through no fault of her own. But uh, her name is Squeakers, or that's, okay. I think it was a nickname, <laughs> but uh, my my mom really wanted to name her something nicer and i was just wondering uh at her at eight years old is it um is it a bad thing to rename a cat especially this poor kitty who's had so many changes yeah well i guess the, the first thing we have to realize is when we name a cat and we call them how often do they actually come to us 
Yeah, I, I have fun, but <laughs> so, so this is a li- maybe a little bit different than a dog in that mm-hmm. the response time and the turnaround <laughs> that we're going to expect with calling a cat is going to be, you know, maybe a little lower bar than we would have for a dog. Yeah. So, but that being said, you know, I could understand that it, if your mom was interested in changing her name, you know, but, you know, I just can't say that it's going to be an easy thing um, to get the expectation that the kitty is oh, going to no, I just, respond I just wanna, and come to the name. I don't want so, to confuse the kitty or make her any more unsure of her situation well, I, than she yeah, might be. I, I don't think it would confuse her unless our expectations made her upset. So if we call a cat and they don't come and we get angry or, you know, something about how we respond to them becomes um, stressful, then it would be stressful for her. But she's not going to care if if you call her uh, Buffy and she doesn't come. It's not going to bother her. It it might frustrate your mother, though, and that might be the thing that, you know, let's, um, I might just advise to not change the the rules or the name so much because it it really might put your mom in more of a situation where she becomes frustrated that Kitty's not coming to her name or responding to her name in whatever way. Now, it can be done, and if you have the means to assist your mom with this, this is something you can certainly do, um, you know, using food as the reward to kind of retrain her. Um, but my, like I said, my expectations would be a little bit lower, and I, I just don't know that. Um, I would rather see her spend bonding time with her in other ways than, you know, trying to change her name. Um, so okay. it's just my two cents there that's that's good and my my mom's quite my mom's 92 and she she kind of forgets what she wanted to call her anyway (laughs) oh yeah yeah (laughs) so um she just she had a hard time with squeakers Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. But um but you know a lot of people I mean how many of us call a, a cat kitty and, you know, do they come to us? Maybe. You know, maybe it's more of our vocal intonation, um, mm-hmm. if we're shaking something that's exciting to them. So that might be the things that you could look at doing, you know, if your mom is struggling with yeah. that name or chooses a different one and it comes out more naturally for her. Um, you you can definitely pair that. The kitty Squeakers, Squeakers slash Daisy, uh, loves to be brushed. So I suggested to my mom that maybe she you know, brush her or just have some kind of enjoyable time mm-hmm. and, you know, speak her, you know, think of a name at that time, talk to her. She's she's getting along very well. She's not at all frightened. Oh, good. That's good. good. Well, it sounds like... And it sounds like she'll be a great companion, companion yeah. for your mom, so that's my wonderful. Mom, my mom just lost her 13-year-old cat. Mm. Oh, and, boy... I don't ever want to have to go through that. I mean, my mom yeah. really, really centered her life around that cat. Yeah. So now we're hoping that she and Squeakers slash Daisy will bond the same way. Because, sure. Sure. Um, and, you know, that is the power of the human-animal bond. It keeps us healthier, keeps us going, and really gives us some some sense of purpose in our lives. So thank you so much for your call, Kathy. We appreciate uh, you, you calling and bringing up that question. That's and, a good question. Of luck. Yeah. yeah, we've never heard that question. So that was the first time that we've heard that question here. And there's only one thing that my cat comes to, and that's the can opening. That is, I, you can call, <laughs> call him anything. 
And that's the only thing. So there you go. one 405 8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. Also, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, don't forget to pick up Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They're available over at Amazon as Kindle books, and we have links from AnimalRadio.com. Hey, Jermaine. Hey, how are you guys? Good. How are you doing Super. today? Well, I'm well. I have a question regarding um, domesticated and wild cats. Are they able to mate? Are they able, biology-wise, able to mate? Well, I, you know, okay, are they able to mate and produce a litter? It is it is conceivable. Now, when you're talking about wild cats, are you talking about things like lynxes or bobcats, right. things like that? Yes, it's, it is certainly possible. However, I kind of would term that a de- dangerous liaison, if I could, um, because your average uh, wild cat and domestic cat, if they meet up, it's not going to be a good outcome for the domestic cat, unless we're dealing with you know human intervention or cats that have been kind of raised in uh, different environments uh, where they're used to human handling. But yeah, it is, it's certainly possible, and there are a lot of breeds out there that are actually new exotic cat breeds, where they kind of breed a, a semi-wild uh, cat into that of a domestic short hair. So it is possible. Why do you ask? i got to ask. Well, I had, um, I had a, a cat show up on my, on my deck, and uh, at first I thought it was a, a wild thing, um, uh-huh. and uh, he has a bob tail. But then I discovered he's neutered, <laughs> and uh, he's declawed as well. He's okay. huge. He is huge. And uh-huh. uh, he's got this bobtail. He has no tufts. He's got, like, rabbit fur and a black stripe down his spine. Uh-huh. Sure he's not a skunk. Oh, I guess that would be a white, yeah, really. white skunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as you know, the skunks and the cats don't breed, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> thankfully. So I... I was just curious because of his size and his coat that, mm-hmm. you know, he just looks semi-wild. Sure. And, you know, a lot of these uh, hybrid breeds, um, that's, you know, some of the look they're going for is something that looks and retains the look of the wild cat and has the size and the, you know, cuteness of the house cat. So I'm not a huge fan of hybrid cats. Um, now, Equally, we see some very huge domestic cats out there, um, you know, just in the Maine Coons, as well as the Norwegian Mountain Cats. Both of those breeds of cat can get around 25 pounds, so they can be a pretty sizable kitty um, and just be a regular old domestic house cat. So um, I'd be curious to know, though, um, and even if you could catch a picture of this kitty, I'd love to take a look, because there are some breeds like the Pixie Bob, which is basically a bobcat mixed with a domestic short short hair, and uh, they kind of have a little bit of a bobcat kind of look about them, and they're kind of interesting. So, yeah, if you get a picture, I'd yeah, love to I'd see. Yeah, I'd love to see that, too. Yeah, he's pretty. We'll be going to the vet in a week and a half, and I'm kind of curious to see. I mean, he just showed up. He He's moved in. Um, you know, I mean, he's extremely domesticated. And uh, greatly enjoys being in the house. So, yeah. uh, well, and have to say, if he is, you know, a hybrid breed, um, one of the first things I'd say is I'd check him for a microchip because some of the hybrid breeds could go up to five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars. So, they are not a cheap pet, and if someone lost them, they would be looking very dearly for them. Right, so. right. And, well, he's been living with me for about two months. I didn't expect him to stay, and now I feel you know, responsible for his care. But we will. We'll hunt for a chip, and uh, we'll find out 
exactly what he is, and I will try to get a photograph of him for you all. That would be great. We'd love to see it. Thanks so much for your call today, Jermaine. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. Take care of the pets and make sure that in these hot days that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. All of us here at Fido Friendly Magazine can't wait to get on the road again with our favorite Fido. We know that it's just not a vacation without our furry companions by our side. Start daydreaming now and visit FidoFriendly.com to scout out places near and far so you will be ready for your next adventure once it's safe to travel. That's FidoFriendly.com. Until then, stay safe and leave no dog behind. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. And in a few minutes, we're going to find out how to make your puppy laugh. Dr. Stanley Corinne will be joining us. And he actually has instructions, so get ready. He will tell us how to make your dogs laugh right here on Animal Radio. Where else, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Absolutely nowhere else. I'm pretty sure about that. I could say there's no other... Uh, pet show or even radio show that's going to tell you today how to make your dogs laugh. I guarantee that. Okay. Well, who even knew that, that they could laugh? I know. Only us. Yeah. Kind uh, of amazing. But <laughs> what do you have coming up in the news? Uh, how to subdue a wandering emu. <laughs> okay, well, make your dogs laugh and subdue you, your emus. You never, you never know where you're going to find one, right? <laughs> That's on the way. Uh, let's go to the phones for your calls. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Great for you Guam listeners that can't use our toll-free number. You can uh, ask your question from the free app. Did I mention we have Guam listeners? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> well, we're on in Guam. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, we don't know if we really have any listeners there. But I'll tell you what, if you're air. listening in Guam, uh, send us an email, please. <laughs> Let us know. Let's take another one for Dr. Debbie. We have Dwight. Hey, Dwight. Welcome to the show. Hi. What's going on? I have Dr. Debbie right here. Hi. Uh, my neighbor has a chocolate lab, about three years old, and I just saw this the other day. He is uh, eating his own waste. Oh, I said, lovely. I said, how long has he been doing that? Oh, he didn't really know. And I says, so what are you feeding that dog? He's a good dog food, but he didn't tell me what it was. And when he was doing this, was um, is the dog housed in like in a, a run, or is this he was just like running around the backyard and just decided to eat his own poo? Backyard. Okay. So, you know, the, the interesting thing is that most of these cases, it's more of a behavioral problem than actually a medical problem. There can be some medical problems that can cause a dog to do this, whether it is a, a digestive um, uh, absorptive problem, some types of food allergies, parasites, things like that. But generally, it's a problem that they actually pick up when they're young. And the mother dog, that's basically how she cleans the babies, is she licks their hindquarters and ingests their feces. So as disgusting as it sounds, this is kind of a natural behavior that they pick up um, very young. Um, it goes awry when it becomes just 
disgustingly a nuisance. Um, so some of the tricks of this, and, and it can be hard when this has been going on for such a long period of time. But what we talk about is uh, limiting the access and the opportunity for this behavior to happen and uh, then to try to um, avoid it as well. So the first thing that I would do is pretty much keep this dog under eyeballs watch anytime he's outside. If he's left alone to do his own business, then he's going to potentially eat his own business <laughs> when he has that opportunity. So you really have to go escort them outside, whether it takes take them out on a leash um, or to um, actually, um, you know, just kind of physically observe while he does his business. Um, there are some uh, deterrents that you can put in their food to make the stool taste bad. And uh, you would kind of naturally think that stool tastes bad anyways, but, you know, dogs love it. So, <laughs> so um, but that can help. You just have to be consistent with that and actually let the dog try to ingest those stools um, that correspond to, you know, the powders or the, the, the pills that they eat. So that's kind of the big thing there. Now, you know, some folks will kind of use Tabasco sauce or other bitter tasting things and put it on the stool to deter them. And, and that's fine if you can actually be that vigilant and follow around in the yard and put that on all the stool. But for me, I'd say I'd rather see folks spend their time picking up that poop, decreasing the opportunity and, um, you know, not waste your time putting, uh, you know, sauce on stool. It just sounds disgusting to me. <laughs> But, you know, he's got a real challenge on his hands if, if this has been going on for a while. Um, we can nip it in the bud and we can definitely get control of it, but it's going to require, um, you know, getting a, a handle on things uh, behaviorally and access-wise. And, you know, since he is doing this, it will increase his potential for things like intestinal parasites. So um, a visit to the vet, get that stool checked, uh, screen him for parasites. Um, and, you know, a diet change might not be a bad idea as well, but uh, I'd start with some of the simple things first and, uh, you know, go with that. Okay. How's it going? All right. Well, you're a good friend, man, to be concerned about your friend's dog and eating poop. So uh, I wish I had neighbors like that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks, Dwight. I have neighbors like that. They eat their poop. And now an animal radio news brief. A four-year-old boy from California unfazed after a snail emerged from a cut in his knee. According to ABC News, a snail of a tail began when Paul Franklin tripped and fell during a camping trip near the beach last month. Paul's fall left him with what his parents believe was nothing more than a scraped knee. However... When the wound was still swollen three weeks later, they started to worry a little bit. Paul's mom, Rachel, noticed a big pus ball on Paul's knee, so they popped it, and a snail popped out. The family believes that when Paul cut his leg, a sea snail egg managed to get into the wound, and they hatched a snail. They ended up naming the snail Turbo after the latest DreamWorks animated film, which is based on a story about a snail. snail did live for one day, but then he died. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at AnimalRadio.pet. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Knock, knock, who's there? How about an alligator? That's what happened to Lori Pacelli from Bonita Springs, Florida. She heard a knock at her front door, peered out the window, only to see an eight-foot alligator knocking his nose against her front door. The bull gator had wandered up from a nearby pond, possibly following Pacelli home as she took her cocker spaniel for a walk. The gator didn't give up for over an hour, getting a bloody lip in the process before returning into the pond. 
A nearby alligator expert said it wasn't unusual to find gators in nearby pools, garages, and front porches during what he called the crawl season or mating season. It's probably always a good idea to look before opening your front door. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. There are some really big new changes coming to Hong Kong for pet owners and even businesses there that deal with animals. People there could soon be punished for failing to take care of their animals if they don't walk their dogs or if they don't take a sick pet to the vet or have them vaccinated under this new plan to tighten Hong Kong's animal protection laws. If approved, these new measures are going to go into effect in just a couple of years in 2021 and under the proposal. Owners or those responsible for animals would be required to ensure the animals are kept in good shape, good health, and provided clean water as well as a balanced diet. And now it would also require owners to seek medical help for sick pets as well as vaccinate them and meet their behavioral needs. That would be like letting them get exercise and play regularly that would fall under this new proposal. And abandonment of animals would be considered a breach of their duty of care. These new requirements would also apply to business operators that deal with animals. So if, uh, say, a chicken retailer keeps a large number of chickens in a cage that's too small, that would uh, perhaps cause mental and physical stress if there were way too many chickens in there. The retailer would then be liable under this new law. The code is going to be tailored towards different animals as well, reflecting their different needs uh, and different breeds too, because they're saying that, for instance, the owner of a large dog would be expected to walk his dog more than the owner of a small dog or an what? older Disagree. dog. That Do makes you? no sense. Really? Yeah. No. Dogs need to be walked, regardless of their size. <laughs> they all no, have to go to the bathroom at about the well, same time. Well, maybe they're talking about, I, I took it as like a small dog doesn't need to go for as long a walk because their legs are shorter. Does that make sense? No, not necessarily. So do you, do you think this is a good law? I mean, some people might think this is government oversight, too much government oversight. Yeah, you know, I do think that this kind of thing should be tied into licensing um, as far as providing for pets or failing to provide for pets. But there's the, there's how are they going to enforce this? And, and all the things that has to be enforced, um, is this going to be something that is even something that can be backed up? Yeah. Um, I guess that's my question is... I'd like. It's I'd pretty like to big see. brotherish, but it would be good for animals, don't you? I mean, for well, on the most part, you don't agree with the the small and big animals. That really puzzles me too. So, when small small dogs can do a three mile walk in a day, and large dogs can too. Dr. Sure, Goodman? they can. I mean, it's but that's not what they're saying. Then they're not saying you need to take a large dog for a five mile walk and a small dog. They're saying that a large dog needs to walk more. 
which really has has no bearing on. There are dogs like um, Great Danes are very inactive and sedentary large dogs. So it doesn't make any sense to say a Great Dane has to be walked five times a day and a poodle only two times a day. That that doesn't make See, any sense. See, and that's why you're the doctor. That makes sense now. <laughs> but there are breeds that are high energy. So if you've got a herding dog or a working dog, yeah, they're going to need more exercise. But if, if it's linked towards going to the bathroom, I don't think that's uh, kind of the same thing. Um, what do you know about emus? Because um, there was an emu found wandering loose around New York State, and it was eventually captured by a local family and, and spent the night in their basement. Uh, Jennifer Oates is the one who helped to capture the emu and said that she was, and so was the bird, the big bird, very fortunate that it ended up at her home because she actually had experience with these large Australian birds when she was growing up in Texas. So it it took actually several members of the community and eventually the police too, chasing this emo emu through the town, including it ended up on an interstate on ramp at one time before this woman, Jennifer Oates, was able to approach it from the side and being as she knew how to work with emus, she was able to subdue its legs and then coax it to lie down. Uh, the large bird spent the night in her basement before being transported the next day. I didn't agree with this. I, you know, that's me. But to an like an animal amusement park or animal adventure park. Hmm. Okay. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Is your pet happy? Do you think your pet's happy? Sure, you think your pet's happy. You do the best to uh, make them happy. And right now we're going to teach you how to make your dogs laugh. We welcome back to the show the amazing Dr. Stanley Corinne. Hi, Doc. How you doing? Pretty good. Still fat and sassy. Still fat and sassy. <laughs> Just the way we <laughs> like <too>. it. <laughs> so uh, can dogs laugh? Can they really laugh? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was it was one of those early debates which was uh, started up by uh, uh, Conrad Lorenz uh, in his book Man Meets Dogs. And he noticed that, uh, that an invitation to play uh, with dogs is – is followed by a particular expression. So that is where the the mouth opens and the the tongue is visible lolling out over the front teeth. And then there's a, a, a certain kind of panting, which the dog uh, uh, gives. And uh, this panting, he identified with, with human laughter. And anyway, there was a, a research team uh, headed by um, Patricia Simon A. in... Um, uh, Sierra Nevada College, yeah. and she looked at the laughter sounds in dogs, and and the way that her team did this was they they basically stood around in parks with a parabolic microphone uh, that allowed them to record the sounds that dogs made while they were playing at a distance, and she first described it as sounding to a to an untrained human ear. Uh, much like a pant, but with no voicing, you know, like, uh, so it's a breathy sound, but if you, if you held, if you're making that sound and you hold your fingers up to your throat, you don't feel any vibration, okay? 
she found, you know, she took these sounds back and they, they audio analyzed them and found that they uh, break up into a broad range of frequencies, much, much broader than you find in, in, in regular dog panting. And uh, then she started to play with the sounds. So uh, she confirmed that, that you know, you, you play recordings of this laugh sound to puppies and they start to romp and they um, you know act very happy and it can actually be used to 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 calm dogs in an animal shelter if you play short bursts of this and i i got to admit that i was a bit skeptical about the usefulness of of uh, of these things so i began to experiment originally with my own dogs uh-huh. uh this you know you you want to do this when you're when your significant other is 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 not you know around <laughs> because you know they have suspicions that you've been uh, too close to the bottle of bourbon uh, but anyway my 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 original attempts were not very successful i mean it caused virtually no response or or best some puzzled looks from my dogs <laughs> however i i was eventually able to to shape a, a set of sounds which which did you know evoke interest on the part of my dogs and but it, it requires some conscious monitoring so for me what seems to work is something like and you the sound i hope you're you're registering this yes. um is is made with a sort of an open mouth uh, uh pardon uh, with a, a slightly rounded lips uh so it's while the ha sound okay is made with a sort of an open mouth smiling and sp- expression so so the the sound yeah, there we there we go that's see, good my, Wait, my, it, it, my my tail is wagging <laughs> but, um, dr debbie can you give that a try real fast i just want to make sure everyone understands how to do <sighs> oh you've got too much voice debbie too so, much okay yes just the breath you, you t- touch your throats if you're if it's vibrating you're you've got you've got too much voice so try it again yes <sighs> better yes that's it and the trick it's kind of like is, yoga breathing <laughs> except, except you have to work it up into a into a reasonable pace you know it's difficult for me right now because i'm suffering from an allergy attack so i don't have my nose to sort of gulp in extra air but anyway, if you can do that, if you can maintain that little bursts of it, uh, I find that my dogs, you know, will come over and look at me and and they they will, you know, uh, give that little dog smile uh, or an invitation to play. And, and I've tried to use it, actually. You know, you can use it. You know, when, when I'm dealing with, with dogs in a beginner's dog training class, you know, I find that it helps to calm worried or anxious or shy dogs. Uh, and it seems to help if you glance at the dog directly only for a few brief intervals. I mean, you have to sort of sort of glance over and look away. Uh, and uh, the, the those sort of short side-to-side movements uh, of your head seem to help. By the way, you know, there's, there's a uh, – 
there was a study which was done a number of years ago. And they were looking to see whether there were breed-specific differences in a sense of humor in dogs. And, and what they found is, now come on, can you guess uh, two or three of the well, most playful breeds? I'll, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. And uh, while we're taking the break, try to think of which breeds have the biggest sense of humor here, or, or most playful, as Dr. Stanley Corinne uh, is mentioning there. We'll be right back and we'll find out right here on Animal Radio. Stick around. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is Animal Radio, baby. Oh, you're laughing. My dog is looking at me like I'm crazy right there. <laughs> it is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our very hilarious pets and uh, making them happy, trying to make them laugh. And no, it's not telling them jokes, although there are some jokes that would make my dog laugh hilariously. And just before the break, Dr. Corinne was saying that uh, perhaps there are some breeds that are more apt to laugh like this, right? Is that correct? Well, that have seem to have the best sense of humor, yeah. Okay, best sense of humor. What breeds do you think? Judy, do you want to take a stab at it? I'm going to say Australian Shepherd. Dr. Debbie, you want to take a stab? Labradors. You think they have a sense of humor, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the Australian Shepherd is up over there. Yeah. Um, the, really? uh Yep. Uh, the Golden Retriever is up there. Uh, the top one, actually, is the Irish Setter. <laughs> really? All those yep. Irish. Wow. Oh, no, I, I had an Irish setter, and he didn't have a sense of humor at what's all. A, what's oh, a, no. Lori, do your bulldogs have a sense of humor at all? You know, I was wondering. I was going to go with, you know, what Dr. Debbie said. I was thinking labs, or I thought, you know, bulldogs really are pretty hysterical. So, <laughs> Actually, are they, they on the list? They, yeah, they're on the list, but at the bottom. <laughs> at the bottom of the list. Whoa, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're in the least... Uh, their, their sense of humor, their playfulness is is at the bottom. Um, the, at the bottom, you find things like the Basset Hound and the Bulldog and the Bloodhound. Um, uh, but at this, in, in the most playful and and, and uh, most best sense of humor, you find, as I said, the, the top is the Irish Setter, and then you have um, the English Springer Spaniel. You had a whole swack of terriers: Cairn Terrier, Airedale Terrier, uh, Miniature Schnauzer. Uh, the little Sheltie is there. The standard poodle is there, but not the toy poodle for some reason or another. Um, what about just, the Chihuahua? The, <laughs> do, do, the, do the Chihuahuas have a sense of humor? The Chihuahuas are in the are in the bottom uh, uh, group. Actually, there are uh, some of the Nordic Nordic dogs are down there too. The Samoyed, who always looks like he's smiling, he's got that great you know open mouth smile, uh, and the Malamute are sort of down over there. I'm sure it's like humans. Some humans have a sense of humor and some don't, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 and it's like intelligence in dogs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we can say that, you know, the, the golden retriever is the, is the fourth most intelligent breed of dogs in dogdom. I mean, but every now and then you run across a golden who could now think a river rock. I mean, so, (laughs) so. Uh, I mean, you know, so there are large individual variations in this sort of thing. And the thing about, you know, 
a lot of people would say, you know, well, well, I really want a breed of dog which which has, you know, a good sense of humor and that sort of thing. Uh, but that's a double-edged sword. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, every now and then, you know, it's really helpful to have a dog which when you sit down on the sofa just comes up over there and lies his head down and, yep. and, and provides contact comfort. But if you've got an Irish setter, for example, I mean, he's going to find where you put the leash and he's going to be throwing it in your lap, you know. <laughs> You know, saying "walk me, walk me," or or find worse, find a tennis ball and that sort of thing. Um, the tail uh, says a lot, doesn't it? Oh, the tail says a lot. Although people tend to misread the tail an oh. awful lot. Uh, the there are two dimensions to the uh, tail. Uh, one is the height that the tail is is held in, and the other is the actual movements which the tail makes. So uh, you know, you have to be careful because. Uh, you know, everybody says, well, you know, if the tail is wagging, then, then the dog is happy. But if the tail is sort of straight up and it seems to be shaking more than, than wagging, you know, there's short little wags back and forth at high speed. Uh, that's not a friendly dog. That is a dog who's making a dominant statement. He's basically saying, you know, back off, give me some space. And, you know, a lot of people misread that. And, you know, so they send their kid over there. The, the dog snaps at them and the person's upset and said, you know, you know, that dog snapped at my child without any warning. Well, I'm sorry. You know, the dog was sending the appropriate signal. The, the, the happiest uh, signal is when the, the tail is, is held sort of moderately low, sort of mid-low and it's swinging back and forth with with uh, with very broad swings, which seems to drag the dog's hips with it. And and I, you know, I tend to call that my fearless leader uh, wag, uh, because you know it, it, it. The dog is in fact happy, but he's he's really giving us a sign of submission. He's basically saying, "You are my fearless leader, and you will take care of me," and you know, and that sort of thing. That's the the friendliest kind of a wag which you get. If the tail is low and it's wagging it slowly and that sort of thing, you've got a dog who is, you know, not feeling very secure and and is feeling kind of anxious. So so you have to you have to read the whole pattern. I mean, you know, the dogs are really experts at at uh, body language and and they have to be. I mean, you know. I'm just glad I don't have a tail because uh, can you imagine every emotion that I had? Somebody else could see that immediately. I couldn't. I could, yeah, that would horrible. You can play poker. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd be a horrible <laughs> poker player. Dr. Corinne, we are we are so out of time, but we always have so much fun when you're on the air with us, and hopefully we can do it again. Is there a website where people can learn more about what you're doing? Uh, yeah, there is uh, uh, Stanley Corin online, and there's there's also a Wikipedia. Um, entry. Um, there's there's somebody with too much time on their hands. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> we'll put links to those. Thank you once again. We'll put links to those over at AnimalRadio.pet. Yeah, we are out of time today. we got to head on out of here. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, you can get your fix at AnimalRadio.pet. We'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.